Hello and welcome to Lost Art. Uh, I'm Gar. And I'm Paul. And uh, this week we are going to be doing side projects. Yes. Now, I don't think this is... These aren't going to be the best side projects. These are just some interesting ones, I think. that. And the qualifiers again for this have to be... That there's not, they're not super groups because yeah, that's a separate podcast. That's a different one altogether. So if there's people like in bands with two famous members mm-hmm. or three, they're gonna go on a separate one. This is and they're not so and not solo projects either. Well, yeah. not so projects. No, these are these are pretty solo much projects. Bands. Yeah. yeah, bands that maybe yeah. didn't have any uh, one famous member. Yeah. It's, it's, it'd yeah, be considered his or her. Uh, I I I think you might be allowed to. I don't think any might have to, but I think you might be allowed to yeah. just because. It's still not in supergroup territory. Yeah, exactly. I think supergroup, if, if a regular band is, say, a four-piece, let's say, give or take, you've got threes and fives. And yeah, like Audio Slave is not going to come up in the side project thing. Yeah, that's a supergroup, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so we'll just get this get this ball rolling. What's your first one? My first one is Grinderman, mm. Nick Cave's band with other members of the Bad Seeds, so it's not really a supergroup, but... It's yeah, I, I thought the same about... Uh, I was looking at... Uh, bad Seed stuff as well because it's just Nick Cave albums and there's Nick Cave and Bad Seeds and it's the birthday party yeah there's a lot of them because I thought about Bad Seeds and then I'm, there's been too many I think yeah. once the guy's name precedes the band you know, I think it is I think it was his idea and he wrote a lot of stuff and he mm. gave it to the band so it's Nick Cave solo project no it's not solo project sorry <laughs> side project yeah. grinder man mm. uh, the song is No Pussy Blues, which is a fun song. Yeah. Listen to it now. It sounds like something Intel would sing. But yeah. I've not been able to get. Yeah. The Sex. To Sex. But it is a fun song. The lyrics, I think he wrote, wrote a lot of the lyrics sort of um, just on the spot with this thing. I think it was very loose, the whole Grinder Man thing. Day. I thought Grinder Man was out a lot earlier than this. It's actually 2007. Yeah, yeah, it's later. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. I don't know why. I thought I only, I, I remember listening to it around 2010 and thinking it would have been from like, Early, like 1999 90s, yeah. or 2000 or yeah, something. No. I remember yeah. when Grinder Man came out there was a big hullabaloo. I remember there being a big, uh, strangely unrelated yet related fact that I believe there's a guy in Grinder Man called Warren Ellis. Yes, he's the, he's, uh, the seeds as well. Yeah, yeah. and um, he uh, is also one of the most famous comic book writers in the world. His name is Warren Ellis as well. Really? So uh, there was people sending... Uh, on both fronts there was people sending Warren Ellis from Grindr Man messages about working on a comic book project yeah. and people sending Warren Ellis to comic book writer right. you know congratulations like you wrote Transmetropolitan and now uh, you're in a band yeah. with Nick Cave that's fucking super yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> strangely enough they do not look a million miles away from me really yeah. that doesn't help Yeah, um, yeah if you look on Twitter or one of the boys like, that's him yeah both Brand. kind of balding hairy fellas kind, yeah. of, kind of that type of situation going on Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Grindr Man I don't know loads of their stuff they're one of those bands that have always been on the kind of yeah. periphery for me I didn't listen to much of the second album but the one thing I do like about them is they because they were using member of the Bad Seeds when they just went back to do Bad Seeds there was no bad blood didn't lose, no, I don't think anybody lost out it's their project that they really noisy stuff really. exactly it's like if you're writing a lot of songs you know yourself when you're in a band you write loads of songs and stuff goes that's great but it doesn't fit into yeah, this at all so you put it on the side yeah. so I reckon they just probably just maybe collected enough of them to go yeah. well this is it's, it's, it's a grungier alt-rocky yeah. kind of uh, I don't know what it is garagey kind of rock I don't know well. what it is it's got this kind of noise influence where it's yeah. they do these, these weird kind of loopy riffs that are like heavily distorted yeah there's a lot of looping in yeah. it because he, he wrote he's not a really he's not a guitar player no so he wrote 
the basis of the songs on a guitar yeah, and gave it to them and they went like I, I loved doing that when I was in bands and I wasn't particularly yeah. good at any instrument mm. still, still haven't but I go listen could you see that the idea is make this sound like a real person is playing it with extra notes in it yeah, yeah. that's the one yeah like, like Jello by Africa yeah. type of thing just hold yeah. it to a dictaphone and hand it off to a guitarist yeah or Michael yeah. Jackson did that Mike yeah. Patton did that yeah, they all did that Green Hill Zone Green Hill Zone right so that's that's fucking that's my first one I like that Grinder Man album it's very good second I, one I have I think Grinder Man the name I think the name is fucking super it's brilliant I think it's a great name it's a great name I don't the, know why I and think the album cover is that like kind yeah. of the monkey on the front yeah, it's yeah. a bit scary organ grinder yeah yeah makes perfect sense what's your first uh, side project my first side project is uh, a band called Avoid One Thing and they were a side project of a guy called uh, Joe Gittleman who was the bass player from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones um, like yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Boss Tones fan they're fine um they have an album called Devil's Night Out that's uh, not quite as ska-ish oh. as the rest. It's a little bit that's more kind of... I did listen to this song. I like it. I like it. It's a very yeah. nice song. It's very lovely. It's a lovely little yeah, song, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and this song the got, same patronising. Yeah, exactly. Strangely enough, this song got famous, even though it was released by Avoid One Thing on their, on their debut album, which was 2002. Right. Um, it got famous because another kind of punk band called um, The Bouncing Souls He'll be one of these kind of huge American, not pop punk. Yeah, I don't know what you call them. They're just one of these generic fucking American singy punk bands. And I'm, they're, they're actually a very good band. I've seen them a few times. They're fun. And um, they covered this song and they put it on one of their big albums. They have an album called Gold, and uh, they covered it in 2006. So they covered it four years later, and it got so big, like to the point where it was probably their most famous song. Really. And it must have been a massive kick in the bollocks because it was a cover. Yeah, well, that used to happen years ago. Do you remember? Mm. Remember covers used to be of a song that was only a, a few months later. We're yep. talking in the blues especially and stuff yeah. like that. It'd be ripped. And, and any time with the Beatles and stuff like that, mm. they like around that era. You come back to Beach Boys. Like, a lot of these guys, their first couple of singles were... were the record label were like, that's a great song. We can't market this band. Give it to them. Give that, that them. Of course. Just open, try like torrenting fucking songs. Yeah. Like, you know, crazy. Just sheet music. Sending around. But yeah... Um, avoid one thing. I think they're a Boston based band. Um, Boston's are obviously huge um, in their in their field. Yeah, the Boston's never like I said, not a big thing to me. Um, they play a lot of fields. They do play a lot. Of, yeah, they actually do. They do a thing called the hometown showdown once a year because they don't play too many gigs um, anymore. So they do. I think they do one big like I'm talking big, big, big. Um, I think it's in like Fenway Park or something yeah, like that. Yeah, one of these like giant sense. places and they, it's, like, it's like an all day kind of festival like a mini Vans warp Tour um, but yeah Joe Gilman's still with them um, Avoid One Thing I think they put out two albums and then they just kind of went on hiatus they put out two albums in three years and just kind of knocked it on the head I suppose um, if you're mad into a band like that and they only do one gig in their own thing if you really want to you'll go over and see it yeah yeah it's it's. It, I think that Hometown Showdown by, by Boss Towns is one of those uh people will save up for a year or two to go yeah. but like it, it's a very particular type of person that's going to save up for a year to go and see all these kind of ska ska core bands you yeah, know, I have a name for those people but we'll yeah, yeah. again not my bag but um, that, that song is the one that jumped when we discussed this 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 theme that was the song that instantly went to my mind because yeah. I've liked it forever and I didn't know it was by a band called Avoid One Thing I thought it was 
uh, Bounce Assault song. Yeah. And it was only when I, I kind of randomly came across it. I think somebody on MySpace or something told me years ago, <laughs> check out this band, The Void One Thing. And there was no, there was no Spotify back then. I had to find it on YouTube. Somebody had like ripped it. Oh, oh, yeah. You couldn't buy it. Still to this day, you couldn't buy the album if you want. Right, so yeah. you're not going to find it, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was my, my one. What's your next one? My next one is a band called Neon Neon, which is the side project of, how do you pronounce his name? Gruff Royce from Super Furry Animals? Gruff uh, Reese? Well, it's Welch. Yeah. Welch, so it's probably uh, Reese. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Reese. Yeah. Is it Gruff or Griff? Gruff. Gruff. Um, I like Super Furry Animals, but there's something about this album I really, really like. It's from an album called uh, Stainless Style, mm. and it's a concept album about the John DeLorean, the maker of the DeLorean car. All right. Who obviously the car from Back to the Future? Yeah, that was built in Belfast. Yeah, so yeah. the song is Belfast. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lead oh, yeah. in nicely. Yeah, <laughs> the album is, is is bananas. I think it's kind of like what kind of style is it? Electro pop. Yeah. Bit of hip hop in it as well. There's a good bit of hip hop. Yeah. Loads of of uh, sort of contributors like Harmar Superstar. Did you ever listen to him? Interesting. When I like. First came out. There was a couple of bits and pieces I like. I like he looks like Ron Jeremy, but he yeah. sings disco songs about riding. So he's again. I mean, he's like the, I suppose he's the audio version of. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a much you wouldn't want to have an audio version of Ron Jeremy at I all. Think so. You're, um, you're muting that porn every time, aren't you? Really? Uh, yeah. You're not watching the porn with him. Well, yeah, you look away when he's on. Not from the seventies, eighties. I don't know. Can you still get seventies porn? I'm sure you can. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> this came out in two thousand eight, and um. Yeah, like I was saying, it's a, it's a song about Belfast where I think the DeLorean kind of died because yeah. they they couldn't. I don't really know much about the car, but I know that it the, the production was terrible and it, they were awful cars. I know a bit about the a little bit about the production. Crazy yeah, enough. Yeah, it's, um, they, what they made it out of, I think, it was made out of uh, stainless steel. Parts of it were stainless steel. Yeah, parts hence stainless style. The name yeah, of the album. Yeah, <laughs> parts of it were stainless steel, and parts of it were aluminium, and parts of it were iron, and it. It rusted like that. Was I was going to say that in about four or five years, yeah. that's not going to look yeah. all the same. It rusted like a bastard. It was also it was a good, it's kind of vanity project, and uh, yeah, it was it was basically. I think that company had closed and all by the time Back to the Future launched. Oh, I would imagine. Well, and, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were closed a year or so. It wasn't that long before. Yeah, because they started around seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably right. Um, but they didn't last long. Um, what I do know is I know the original cast mold for the frame of the car is currently used to hold down lobster nets in Donegal. That's crazy. The factory was stripped. Um, they just someone bought literally the cast iron mold for that the machines used to crimp the fucking the yeah. aluminium and stainless steel into. So I wonder every time they pull up a lot of lobsters, they go. But it's used to hold down a lobster nets and buoys in Donegal Bay, I think. Yeah, yeah. This this song Belfast is a lovely song. It's not one of the most popular songs off that album. I think the song with Harmar is on it, and the song called. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you on Aldo and stuff. Most like popular that. songs, either. there's no point. No, Just no this one example is. Really. It's, it's also one of the better stories from the the album. The yeah. whole thing isn't tied down too closely to mm. John DeLorean, but um, this is a synth poppy kind of song, and it starts very synth poppy, and uh, his voice suits synth pop so is it, well. Is it leaning into that kind of synth wavy eighties neon? Yes, very much. Kind of, yeah, it's got very that, much, yeah, yeah. that feel about yeah, it. Yeah, it is. And this but be, this was years before yeah, it all started to kick off. Yeah, so this is 2008, and Synthwave really only started to kick off, I'd say, around 2011, 12. 11, 12, 13, yeah, 13 yeah. especially when uh, Perturbator and stuff like that mm. was really kicking out the good stuff. You need you need a good artist to kick off a genre. 
So there's a lot of bits and pieces like that. Musically and artistically. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. there's no sin's way without those fucking covers. And yes, they're exactly. Cool, they're cool imagery. Exactly. And the imagery and the movies. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's based, sin's way was based on movies and this. Yeah. So in a way, the visuals of the Would he be the a DeLorean far runner then in this kind of genre, you reckon? Not at all. No. Gruff. Yeah, no, in this kind of synthwave thing. No, this album would have been forgotten about by the time that stuff came mm. out. This is this is quite a small album. Great reviews for it though. I remember like when it came out. It is it is a great album. It's mm. solid. It's a bit all over the gaff. Like side projects can be. What's your next one? My next one is a uh, body count. Of oh all yeah, things. that is a good side project. Yeah, um, body count is interesting because I think that I think there's two bands that got uh, kind of '90s metalers. To listen to other genres, and I think one was Body Count and one was The Prodigy. Absolutely, I think music for the Gilded Generation changed the way metalheads looked at other music. Yeah, and I think that first Body Count album made a lot of metalheads listen to hip hop. It did definitely. And I don't Body Count isn't he's not really rapping in it. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, you're right. He's he's just he's, he's singing like the, he's singing shouting, and, and it works for yeah, the music. It's perfect. Now. The, the whole concept behind uh, Body Count is interesting. He, his mate since he was a kid, uh, a guy called Ernie C, who's still the guitarist. Actually, out of the six original members of Body Count, only three are still alive. Ice-T, Ernie C, and I, I can't remember who the fuck, who the fuck yeah. else. It's not Moose, I think Moose. I saw them live last year, yeah. and it was incredible. Yeah, the, the new band are shit hot, the guys he has. He has Ernie is still in. Ernie's still there. Yeah, he's there. Ernie does fuck all, because he's not great. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? He can, he can deal with like, a big shreddy solo, but that's, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. But uh, Ernie C, apparently, well, they were they were running around gangbanging and fucking robbing jewellery shops and stealing cars and getting into trouble. Ernie C, I was always dragging around this guitar behind him. Yeah. And he was mad into metal and rock. Well, the lads were all into fucking hip-hop and stuff yeah. like that. Even though they were young like kind of proto hip hop and disco and stuff. Yeah. And uh, Ernie was always dragging his guitar around. And Ice T would be one of the first kind of gangster, the first gangster rapper to make it big. There was guys before him, but he'd be the first one to break out. I was listening to Body Count long before I was listening to Ice T. Yeah. I never was mad into Ice T. But I, I can imagine if I was a bit older, years ago, hearing that Ice T was starting a metal band, I would have been like, get. That's the, the shield. Don't. I was, don't. But I was the, the, the product is. Yeah, I, I was lucky that. Ice T is my favorite rapper of all time. My really? Favorite, yeah, by far. My favorite hip hop artist of all time. I just the body of work. He's is very clear. Right. He's just. He's very out. clear. You can always hear what he's saying. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, just, he just has a particular style that works really well. But um, I was listening to Ice T around about the same time. Right. That that came out. And uh, I think it was, was a home invasion thing, or, or OG had a track, had a body count track on it as well. I can't remember. I think it was OG. They had body counts in the house on there, and that's a purely hip hop album. Yeah, that's a double album. And I had the, that. It was like a press interviewer. So I think that came out. OG might have came out maybe a year before Ice T, or maybe like early 1990. Yeah. And then body count came out kind of mid to late 1990, and that album. OG had the introduction to Body Count. And people have kind of been talking about that Ice-T has this fucking metal band. But the reason he started the metal band is because his mate NEC just wanted to play guitar. He was into hip-hop, but he was more into rock and metal. Yeah. And it was through him that Ice-T started getting interested in, like, Slayer and Morbid Angel and fucking Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, you can hear the influence. It's not just rock, it's metal. Body Count is a metal band. Cannibal Corpse are one of his favourite bands of all time. Metal hardcore as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he just... He started putting this little group together um, with a bunch of lads for the crack. Now, what's what's interesting is that around the same time Ice T was putting Body Count together, Dr. Dre was trying to do the same thing. Oh, Dr. Dre was trying to put uh, I would have an liked to all hear that. black metal bands together. 
Now he was going to treat them um, like fucking um, as a as a black streak that no diggity band where it's yeah. called, like a boy band. He was going to treat the metal band like that. He was just trying to get a load of lads together to play metal music. But apparently, I read an interview with him and he was saying that like he could find the musicians, he could find black musicians that looked apart, but none of them had any interest in metal. They weren't interested in metal or rock, yeah. really. They were interested in blues and early rock and yeah. roll. And, um, but the they product would have been dirt. Probably would have been shy. It would have sounded amazing, though. You know what I mean? It would have sounded produced well, but <laughs> yeah. like I'm saying, if you're not really... Yeah. So that goes for any genre. Yeah. If you, you know, if you you can you can pass it off a little bit, but you can't fake it, it. it wouldn't have been Body Count. You can't fake yeah. it. But Body Count, that first album changed everything. Oh, evil evil like, Dick on the... Oh, yep. Yeah, there goes the neighborhood is one of the best songs. I, I love that. In song terms so of riffs, it's one of the riffiest, yeah. but also roughest albums. Like you listen to it, it sounds like shit. It is. It does, but it, it, it suits it. It, it suits, suits it well. Point. Yeah. It does. It sounds like sounds like it was recorded in like two days in a shitty studio because it was just a little vanity project by him. Yeah. Um, now the product of that, it's just it speaks for itself. It's yeah. Absolutely. I, it's not just. You can't just say it's people who are into rap changed and did a metal project yeah. that is its own thing it's, and yeah, it is yeah. better than a lot of metal better than a lot of metal and well, uh, it pretty much invented that kind of uh, rap metal crossover people yeah. say like stuff like Rage Against the Machine but one of Rage Against the Machine's first gigs was supporting Body Count yeah, yeah absolutely tour, you know? that would have been a big, um, definitely been an influence yeah um, I also uh, talking about Body Count is interesting because I don't I think my little hot take I don't think that Body Count would have been anywhere near as big as they were if it wasn't for Cop Killer getting called out. Oh, well, yeah, it helped. I think Cop Killer getting, like, press and advertising yeah. and, like, just being all over the radio and the television. Yeah. Like, and the fact it was written across his chest on the front of the album cover. Um, I don't... If Cop Killer wasn't that controversial at the time, I don't know whether that album would have done as well. Now, what hurts is that Cop Killer is probably the best song on the album. It's brilliant. And you can't get it. Unless you... Well, on the, you can get it on whatever Spotify and we've got all that kind of stuff there now but like the original pressings of it I think it was one pressing plant in Germany are you talking about the singular the album, the album. That on it? Oh, that's right it's not on it it's not on the album that's right I forgot still about that still yeah. to this day it's not on it yeah and uh, I don't think there's ever there might be some repressed down the rounds with copular on it but what still to make this a day deal? I don't know somebody can't release it well I know there was there was a pressing plant in Germany that got a couple of thousand of them out into circulation before it was recalled so they do exist in the world and there is a cup killer 7 inch um, sorry a cup killer 12 inch that does the rounds as well but uh, the song I picked is a song called My Way it's off the tour album yeah and uh, I think Body Counts do everything in seconds the first album's super second album's not good third album's great fourth album's shy fifth album's great they seem to have a, a, yeah. a gap you know like Born Dead is not good that, that song Born Dead is okay the rest of it is fucking nonsense yeah but um the album uh, that My Way is on, it's called uh, Violent Demise, is, is spectacular. Anyway, what's your next one? My next one is David Bowie's Tin Machine. Fucking superb. Really good idea to just put a big rock album out there. Yeah. What, what song did you pick? Under the God? Under the God. It's so good. It's the best album. Best song on it. Yeah, it there's, is. Some, there's some shit songs on that. But do you know what the guys thing about the shit songs on that? You don't skip them. You just, it just plays let, out let well. Play. Just let them play out. Let them play. Because uh, he sounds like he's having so much fun in them. They all sound like they're having so much fun. Yeah. And even they said that. They said this this came together better than they thought it would. Yeah. And Dave Bowie never wanted to be in a band. But I think he had a bit of a rough mid-80s. Yeah. With the uh, Let Me Down album. Yeah. The, the tour as well. 
they didn't get it wasn't good reviews yeah and even the album before that as well I thought I think maybe whatever it was I don't know if David Bowie gives a shit about reviews but mm. either way he knew the product wasn't good yeah so bang out fucking Tim Machine bang out Tim Machine with yeah. his guitarist at the time Reeves Gabriel who now plays with The Cure oh. um, he was only there a couple of years I think before mm. he went to so this isn't a super group the two other lads are the hunt, uh, the sales brothers mm. that, that did um they would have played with Todd Runger and stuff like that. Mm. This is, that's, I'm just trying to explain this. This is not a super group. Yeah. So it, it, it fits in here. He starts this thing in 80, 88. Yeah. Um, and it, it was because he was sick of being David Bowie for a minute, yeah. I think. He just was. He just wanted to see what this was like. It was hugely well received. It was, yeah. They did uh, loads of gigs. They were just, and they did, his, they were toned down compared they were to. They just rock and roll clubs. Just rock and roll clubs, small yeah. clubs, yeah. dressed in suits. I mean, not all the time. I think but like, the main fiddler here and all that. Really? You know, so. Yeah, so that's what they wanted. I think he wanted. Now, if looking back on this, this was still for David Bowie. Oh, yeah, they're all wearing the same suits as him. Yeah, and, no, but I mean, yeah. like, it, it was all for him to get oh, his yeah, mojo, mojo back. Mojo back, yeah, yeah, that's all. So, it so, worked. It did work. It, it absolutely worked. worked. I remember hearing that Under the God song for the first time, and I didn't know it was Bowie. Um, I didn't even know who Tin Machine were. It just, I don't know, where the fuck I heard it. And I remember hearing it going, Jesus Christ, that's a cool little riff, and it's just deadly, a cool little it? rock and rolly. It's yeah. definitely 80s, because it has that kind of metallic y, and the bass sounds like it was recorded in a fucking steel yeah. drum. It has that real 80s sound about it, but that 80s kind of commercial rock and roll, like Dire Straits kind of production. Yeah, the production isn't. It's, it's not super. It's not super, no. but, but, but you know what? Again, it's rock and roll. It, it's well, it feels like it was meant to be just a rock and roll album. Yeah. Yeah. Probably was, record, and realistically, probably recorded it in a weekend as well. Yeah. You know? I think he just stripped everything back and goes, yeah. let's write. They all had equal shares, shares in writing. Perfect. Equal shares in money. Fair and, uh, play, dahi. He wouldn't do interviews without them being there and Very stuff good. like that. So, um, Fair Because apparently, the sales brothers are very... Um, and Reeves Gabriels, and they don't sit in the background yeah. of the band. Now, when we say that, now he plays with The Cure, but mm. he's, uh, he's great. I like him a lot. Hmm. He's a very, he seems to be a very influential guitarist for the bands he's in. Yeah. Do you know one of those just, the little kind of generator in a band that he could be given, he could be writing stuff and stuff like that. I don't know much about him, to be honest with you, but I know that every band he's in, he's so well respected. And he, the cure went like looking for him. You know I mean? Yeah. Get him. The bands get a little boost once he kind of jumps in. Yeah. yeah. Right. So they did release two albums and a live album. Then the live album sold badly. So he just went, oh, I'm actually, yeah, revitalized someone back to Dave Bowie now. Kept Cabrales on, obviously. So, yeah. But, um, that, that, I think if we didn't have Tin Machine, he wouldn't have went on. Did the album, what was the album after that? It was, um, Jesus, I can't remember, but it was more electronic y. Not it. Oh, hang on, it's, uh, not the one with Little Wonder and all that. Black Toy. No. Black Toy White Noise. Oh, yeah. It's the album that yeah. he released, the first album he released after Tin Machine, and it has a more electronic feel. That's feels. that kind of Kraut Rocky type of feel to me. Yeah, and yeah. then the one after that again is, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter anyway, but whatever. The one after that would have been outside. The first. What, Ertling? Ertling. No, yeah. the one before Ertling. Oh. The one that started Ertling. What I'm saying is this set him on a path to kind yeah. of, of electronic which then pushed him into. So he's constantly keeping with the times. Yeah. But, uh. He was, yeah. I, 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 I know the album, I can't remember the fucking name, it's gone. It's gone. It's the one with, uh. Hearts Filthy Lesson on it. Mm. Oh, it's wrecking my head. It's not out. You're hurting me now. It doesn't matter. Nobody wants to hear this. So, t- tell us what it is. Tell us what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to Google it. Feel bad for not remembering that one. Yeah. It's the one before Earthlings, which, which is. Is it as good as Earthlings? No, probably not. No. Earthlings is the 97 one, which is Ridiculous. just when he just... That, he needed Tim Machine to yeah. just get back to, to doing that. I anyway. like drum and bass now. Yeah, and he yeah. did it well. And it's fucking Jesus, considering a lot of drum and bass didn't hold up, this did hold up. 
Very, very little of it did. So what is your next one? My next one is another kind of rappy, rocky, metal crossover bullshit that nobody knows about. And it's a band called SX10. 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 And it's Sendog from Cypress Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a little kind of rap, metal, rock kind of thing he put together in uh, 1996. Now, they didn't release their first album until the year 2000. So they, they had... Well, the thing about these bands is they start, and then if, if they can get it together, yeah. they will. So it's always yeah. a few years later. Um, SX10, yeah, it, it's literally Sendog from Cypress Hill and a lot of just randomers. And there's a bunch of people that guest on the album. You know, he's got like Mugs from Cypress Hill, and he's got like, if you remember, the Cotton Milk Kings and all, all these. All Do you remember them? Yeah, all that. Fucking, so hardcore? What I heard? No, we were like another weird rock rap band that was garbage. Right, right. Like, the insane clown posse type of thing. Just, but wick guitars, absolute nonsense. Fun but, um, though. Probably fun a bit garbage. Of fun. Yeah, yeah, fun garbage. But that SX10 are they're interesting because you can. See, it's not the pinnacle of rap metal, yeah. but it's it's the most generic like if someone asked you someone asked you for like what's an Irish dinner you'd say like whatever spuds and cabbage and yeah. a lump of ham or whatever you know what I mean like whatever the most standard Cuddle. yeah the most standard fucking thing like it's not it's not technically super he's not rhyming ridiculous you know he's, his themes aren't are fantastic it's just like fucking gonna shoot you in the head you know yeah let's party tonight it's just absolute <laughs> nonsense like, sometimes it, you need that throw yeah, your brain off yeah. music but like oh, I like it because it's fucking not crap, not stupid, just basic as fuck. It's fine. Yeah. I don't have to be worry, worrying about anything. I don't, you know yourself when you when you're into music like this, you start thinking about oh, I wonder what type of keyboard that is, and you know that kick drum sounds really cool. I wonder if they triggered it or whatever. This is you get none of that out of SX10. You yeah. just bang it on. Um, they don't want album, I think. They don't want album in the year two thousand, and they, they've been promising another one. Since then, and it hasn't really. <laughs> um, apparently, it's recorded and just never released. They oh. put an EP out like fucking eight years ago. Throw it out, ago. lads. Get it but out there. I'll be honest with you. I don't think anybody, nobody cares. Sam Dog's band was playing. Here. Other band was playing grass pop. I went to see. What name? Power was? Flow. Yes. <laughs> Stop. It sounds like the name of a tampon. Power <laughs> Flow. It's him and Billy Billy Graziani. Or something they watched your driveway with. <laughs> Power Flow. I remember because I know. I, this gonna sound like a wanker thing to say. I kind of know Billy from Biohazard, right? Because he done some. Uh, He's done good some buddy stuff. Of mine. No, no, not at all. But I've talked to him on multiple occasions, and uh, I, I, I DJed for them at, at a gig here, and they're, uh, I, um, when they had a recording studio, they used to have a recording studio called Rap His Studios in New York. Rap His, Rap His Studios. Nice. It's where all the kind of New York metal and hardcore and punk bands used to go to do yeah. demos before they go into big studios to record their full albums. The track mix of, uh, yeah, pretty much the track of New mix York. of New York, oh, and it was run by uh, Danny and Billy from Biohazard and uh, 20 Bull sent some stuff after them before to be mixed Yeah, and uh, I still have it somewhere he mixed a couple of songs for us and masks I can't remember I don't think it was, <laughs> I don't think, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it was very good and um, that's why we didn't go with it and it wasn't that it was expensive or anything like that but the lads seemed sound and I talked to him on the phone I talked yeah. to him on email but I remember when, that, when he announced he had a new band called Power Flow with Sandog and, the, <laughs> and even, the, even the logo looks like it's dripping you know what I mean like I, I think that I think if I'm not mistaken I was kind of drunk at that stage of the day at Grasshopper but I think Fred Durst came out with them oh, just to add just to add, just to add to the more door. cheese Fucking you know the way you're talking about a, a tree a tree cheese pizza this yeah. makes it the quattro fromage oh, the quattro fromage okay. yeah. <laughs> no a power flower are not good but um, the name alone even if they were great it's that fucking name but I remember I, I remember emailing fucking Billy saying lad 
like on a Facebook them or something like that. It's like laugh, like seriously. That literally sounds like the name of a tampon. Power flow. And it's like FLO as well. Oh, of course garbage. It is. garbage. But I, I think he might have half knocked that in the head as well. He's doing uh, Billy Boyo, it's called now. It's just a solo thing, but he has a band. Right. I, I don't understand that. I don't get what's going on. I think he might have gone full batshit mad. Right. Yeah. By the, by the sounds of it. And he's touring all over the world doing Billy Boyo, but he's got a full band as well. And I think they do. His solo songs, which no one cares about. Power flow songs that no one cares about. Oh. And Biohazard songs that maybe some people care about. Yeah, the ones he wrote or the ones he had more of a hand in? Maybe. Maybe. Well, he, realistically, I think Bobby Hamble wrote most of the Biohazard stuff. Hmm. And then he left and I think Billy might have stepped in then. But that's the quality he took a massive amount <laughs> of stuff. Like that Mataleo album and stuff. It's some of the some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my entire life. When Bobby Hamble came back, they were fucking super. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, SX10, uh, the link is there in the playlist. I listen to it, I liked it. It's fun. It's I just like that. It. <laughs> 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 oh, here we go. <laughs> I like his little yeah. voice. He's great. <laughs> I fucking, Sand Dog's voice is whatever way he... <laughs> Do you know what he always sounds like to me? <laughs> like granddad getting up off the chair to chase a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just has a particular fucking... He ain't going out like that. <laughs> It's just yeah, straining for the show. He's straining. Yeah, he's killing himself for that door. Like, but well, I, I like him. But he's got a in SX10. He does a little bit of that fucking. But there's a lot more just him straight mm. rhyming, and it's again, its content is absolute, absolute a tidal wave of scum. <laughs> but it's it's fun, and you know, not everything has to be fucking serious. You're right. So. You're right. What's your next one? My next one is a song by Crosses called Bitches Brew, and that's Chino Marino's side project with uh, with his buddy uh, Sean Lopez. <laughs> this is a fucking great song for a side project. The album is good. It's very accessible compared to the Deftones. It's more electronic-y, kind of dark, uh, dark ambient kind mm. of stuff. Um, it's one of the better side projects from bands I'd listen to. Yeah. And um, I really like this. It's just... Uh, I think they were buddies, childhood friends. I don't think that's why. Again, it's not a supergroup. There's a lot of things I had. A lot of bands I had to cross out of this because they were a supergroup. Or it's hard to find them. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't consider this to be one. Um, what is the name of the album again? Uh, I don't know. It was in 2014. I remember, remember coming in 2014. Duff McKagan's on a song. Really? He's only on one song. He's not on the album again. Not supergroup. <laughs> but um, there's something about this song it's real nice and dark and it starts off and the chorus is real good as well crosses but they're the you know they're three crosses three mm. symbol crosses yeah. but if you look on Spotify afterwards they, they write crosses because yeah. no one's going to type in the symbol cross three times to get the song of course not. but um I like this song a lot and um I had a quick listen earlier I like it as well it's um there's about three or four really good songs on that album, I think, to be honest with you. So enough for it to make the whole thing flow mm. and be well worthwhile doing. Um, I think uh, I think it's made up of... It, it, that's right. They had two EPs before it that were just thrown out. Mm. And this album is a makeup of the remastered bits of that. Or like they jumbled together the EPs yeah, and yeah. redone them. Yeah, which I, I'm absolutely for I'm people doing. I love that shit. So it's like a, a mini intro compilation of the yeah. rest of the stuff, but just done better. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Chino has always been the kind of guy you can tell has massive influences in 80s music. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's doing you give him Smith's the, the covers. covers the Q- yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good to see him do this. Some of the stuff is quite poppy mm. in terms of the electronic stuff going on in the background. But um, now, when it first came out, I was really happy with it. 
Because a lot of side projects are just dog shit. To be honest with you, even some of your favourite bands, side projects, you go, that is just... There's a lot of side projects that are just vanity, vanity Absolute vanity projects, And it's projects, just them yeah. getting something out of our system. It's like, yeah. it's like I, I can always imagine the conversation where someone, uh, I don't know, pick a fucking band, right, ACDC. Angus Young turns around and he goes, look at all these fucking songs, lads. And the, the band sit down and they listen and they go... Oh, I don't know man they say do you know what that'd be great actually if you got fucking you know the roadie over there that's a deadly bass player <laughs> you know what you got I him, wonder the email, you're right you're right I wonder how many side projects where yeah. someone going in in no, like in a nicer way yeah. fuck off and do that somewhere mm-hmm. else keep that stink away from keep that stink away from this band yeah 100% I keep, think a lot of and you know why that's why half of the stuff we well half of my ones I think are electronic based yeah, yeah, because you can't bring you can't bring your drummer yeah. into your electronic yeah. project, yeah. Yeah. and you can't bring yeah. a lot of time you can't bring your bassist or your guitarist into yeah. it. When we were, when I was partially involved in the recording of the Cars second album, right? Were you fucking? Was it May Moy was the assistant engineer and the whole thing, so I used to go in at night and I'd help him. It was all tape back then. Yeah, um, we'd be helping out. I'd be helping to fucking splice tape and resetting rooms and fucking just doing general kind of rough mixes for the main engineer in the morning. It's in Westland Studios, yeah, and um, what Pier Street, and uh, they had this little room, this tiny little like tiny box, like a toilet, tiny box room with a computer and a keyboard for Jim Carr. <laughs> right, no word of a lie. So fucking, they literally he'd sit in there like with a keyboard and like a guitar hanging on a wall. And he'd just be banging out absolute scutter just to keep him out of the way. You know what I mean? Because oh he'd be sitting God. there like fucking, oh, I mean, we should be going to the drum and bass bit now. And they're like, and we, what about the flute? So, <laughs> from the, so from the second album, he was. Yeah. Batch um, Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I had to deliver master tapes to his apartment once in Donnybrook. And what I thought was Andrea Carr answered the door. I was like, Andrea, how are you doing? Jim Carr's wife. Also called Andrea, though. Spitting image. That is terrifying. Yeah, spitting image of a sister. I don't think it could be with someone who had the same name. Mm-mm. Let alone looked like, let alone fucking boat. Yeah. But listen. And he slammed it on your face, but that's a fuck him. Before um, you gave him the tapes? As I gave him the tapes. Oh, right. Bang, slam, yeah. Well, you have to go back to his sister. You have to go back to his sister, wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> his wife's, wife's sister. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's where he was. They just locked him in a little room. So, yeah, I think a lot of that was, um, a lot of those, those soy projects are just that. I hope Jim Carr doesn't listen to this. I hope he does. Actually, yeah, I hope anyone. I hope anyone listens to it, yeah. yeah or anyone. else, what's the point? Yeah, that's there's another evening wasted. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I only have a few more of them left. I'm getting old. What is your next one? My next one is a band called the Night Marchers, who are a side project of Rocket from the Crypt. I like Rocket from the Crypt. Rocket from the Crypt are one of my top ten bands of all time. Yeah, I can't get enough Rocket from the Crypt. They could go under for me. They could have in the past gone under one hit wonders for me from On a Rope because it was so big. It was so fucking big, and also kickstarted this fucking style. Yeah, it's like they were. Oh, they did so much for that genre yeah. of the kind of whatever rockabilly I, punk. Uh, yeah, fucking, I don't know what it is. They're much better than that, though. They're so good, and they're much more. When you listen to Rock from the Crypt, they're not what they look like, and their riffs and their guitars, and mo- most importantly, how they produce their album sounds yeah. just beautiful. They just have this particular sound. Yeah. The, the only album there is is the the first album is called Paint as a Fragrance. I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Of this, uh, of this. Of no, this. this is Rocket. All oh, right. Um, but what happened was after Rocket done that big run and they kind of went on a hiatus. They were like, ah, "Will we? Won't we? What we do is just take yeah. a little break for a while." And uh, John Reese or Rice, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Everybody calls him Speedo. Speedo is kind of his band nickname. They they tend all the bands related to Rock from the Crypt and the guys in Rock from the Crypt give each other kind of nicknames. Um, just I think it's a like a rights thing or something for for the labels, and uh, but his nickname is Speedo. Yeah, and uh, 
So I think Speedo decided he wanted to start uh, another band. And he was already in, Jesus, four bands, Hot Snakes, Drive Like Jehu, Drive like fucking, uh, he's in a bunch of bands. So he took, I think, one of the guys from Hot Snakes and a couple of random mates of his and started his band called the Night Marchers. Now, I had never, this is a, here's the story for you, I had never even heard of the Night Marchers. Ever, ever, ever. Until one day a mate of mine, you know, on Boxface, yeah. knew that I was a massive rocker fan and he, uh, he came over to the shop, the record shop that I, that I owned at the time, and he said, uh, Night Marchers are playing tonight up in Crawdaddy. And I said, who the fuck is Night Marchers? He goes, it's like Rock from the Crypt, basically. It's Speedo, his new band. I was like, mate, I haven't tuppence. I haven't a penny. And fair I run, play. I run a record. Yeah, Before exactly. vinyl was big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, miss, I literally missed the wave by a year. <laughs> I closed my shop a year before everybody started playing records again. Oof. But anyway... Um, Boxface brings me down, fair play to him, buys me a ticket, buys me a couple of points. He's, you know a, good, he's a good lad. Blew my fucking head off. It was a, he brought a guy on tour uh, to open with him, a guy called Dan Sartain, who became real big afterwards. We know that name. Yeah, but they done the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life at a gig. Dan Sartain went up, he's a solo guy, he's got another kind of greaser looking, you know, fucking mechanic looking dude, you know, turned up jeans, slick back hair, whatever. Um pack a soft soft pack of Marlboro's fold into his, into his t-shirt you know yeah, and um, he got up on stage with his electric guitar and he started he played whatever half an hour and then the guitarist from Nightmare just got up and played a song with him he stayed there the bassist from Nightmare just got up played a song with them the drummer from Nightmare just got up played a song with them all dance entertain songs and basically the support act melded and evolved into the Night Marchers. That's brilliant. Yeah. And Dad Sartain played two songs, two Night Marcher songs nice. with them before he walked off stage and the lads started their end of the gig. Yeah. I've never seen it done before. That's people having fun. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And I'll never forget, they were just after releasing their first album. It's called See You in Magic. And it's actually, surprisingly enough, it only went up on, uh, let's say Netflix, it only went up on Spotify very recently because it was put out by Vagrant Records who don't have a great history with Spotify. And he couldn't get it for years, years and years and years. I wasn't on Spotify, and I went up a while ago. And I remember even from that gig, just standing there, never hearing any of these songs before. I remembered every single fucking song they played. That's how good the songs were. Yeah. And I went off and I found a copy of it on CD or on iTunes or some shit like that, and I got a copy of it. And uh, that's the way things used to be. You <coughs> listen to the song, and then you go hear it. Not you hear it and go, "Those are my ones. I can't wait to hear them at yeah, the gig." Exactly. Those songs that instantly resonate with you at a gig. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I never forget it because basically the way. The way Night Marches are set up, it's it's the more serious side of Rocker from the Crypt without the horn section, without the brass section. Right. Right? So it's just straight up rock and roll. But they have the kind of the downer, kind of grimmer songs, and they got their real pumping songs. Like this one is called um, uh, Clothes for Inventory. And this kind of starts off a little bit weird. It's kind of off key and it's, it's off time, and it just kicks into this fucking stomper that'll have you singing along. For days, it's just an absolute earworm. But yeah. Every single song on that album is a massive, massive earworm. Yeah. They have two albums, and that kind of again, Ron Hoyer is because Rocket got back together again and started touring again. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's that's my next one. I, I love Night Marchers are one of my favorite, 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 favorite side projects of all time. Yeah. I have to say. What's your next one? It's very hard to pick a Mike Patton side project mm. without. Already famous member. He's literally made them. He's replaced bones in his body with side projects. <laughs> yeah. It would also be a crime to not have Mike Patton on a side project podcast. He, I think he invented them. So people are wondering which one it is. People might be thinking, is it Mr. Bungle now? Don't think they're a side project. They're that, was side force, that was his force band yep. and his force love. Yep. And even in Fate No More, I think he would have made that still his fucking oh, band. Yeah, and he was, he was waiting. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised... I, 
it's a trip. The first Bungal albums came out after he joined. Fame. Yeah, because I think that was part of the. Yeah. He got onto the label. Yeah. This is what's going. I to wish happen. they didn't. To be honest with you, bullshit. I, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't put. I couldn't put. I couldn't put a tomahawk in there because it's got Dwayne Dennison. It's got John Stanier and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a super group. Um. Phantomus. I listen. The one I went with is Peep and Tom. Yeah, it's his pro- side project from all of his bands. That is what well, he. I think it's it's it took six years to record it because he's is so. Is that the one where he just does vocally every instrument? He do, he no, do no, 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 no. No, that's uh, that, it. I get lost in my yeah. pattern side projects. I keep forgetting. He had one where he just makes noises. The best way to describe Peep and Tom is actually how he describes Peep and Tom. Right. In an interview, he said. I don't listen to the radio, but if I did, this is what I would want it to sound like. Mm-hmm. And that's a fucking brilliant way to okay. say this. He said, this is my version of what I would want pop music to sound like. Okay. So it's super accessible. Mm. Um, we're talking like it's it's got rap. It's a lot of trip hop in it. Yeah, yeah. It's got um, electronic rock and stuff like that mixed into it. The song I picked was Mojo. Mm. It is an incredibly catchy song. Mm. It's it's like it fits perfectly to what he says is what he would like to hear on the radio, mm. and he could play this on the radio. Um, it's creepy. It starts very creepy. It has a sort of Spanish guitar feel at the start of it, yeah. or maybe sort of a touch of Middle Eastern. I don't know my scales. So, mm. um, lyrically, it's just fun. It's a it's oh, just Mojo is brilliant. I think a lot of people who've listened to this will probably know Peep and Tom, yeah. and they know that Mojo song as the biggest song by them. Yeah, I, 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 Peep and Tom, I don't know. You'd like, you would love Peep and Tom. I'll give it, I'll give it a spin. My, my favorite of the side projects that I know of his was always Tomahawk. I was like yeah. Tomahawk just because it was my favorite. That's what I'm saying. Tomahawk yeah. is is exactly straight ahead, yeah. and he's got one now again. Dead Crosses with okay. uh, with Dave Lombardo, oh, really and they are incredible. Life. Actually, I went to see Dead Crosses at Grass Pop, okay. and. It was it was kind of crazy to see a band that you could walk right up to the front of the stage that had Mike Patton and Dave Lombardo because they had been fighting no more it would yeah, have been main stage actually, yeah. if it had been Slayer it would have been main stage and you would have yeah. got near it. but this you could walk right up right. and at the very end of the gig which was this is one of the bands that are better live than on the record yeah, yeah, yeah. listen to the record I was like that's good but live it was just thumping absolutely insane at the very very end they started playing the opening bars of Rain and Blood <laughs> and everyone was like oh shit they're not going to do it they're not going to do it and just as about, it's about to kick in it's changes to Fate No More's ah, epic and he just sings you want it all but you can't have it Yeah. and he just put everything stops and you walk, <laughs> walk off what a brilliant way to end that mm. but, but um, he's got so many side projects that he would probably not consider side projects you know people don't people in bands don't like that term because yeah. it sort of means that it's, it's just another band he's in yeah, yeah another yeah. band but Peep and Tom is his project it's Mike Patton's idea. It's, yeah. it's got it's got Massive Attack on it. It's got Nora Jones on it. It's got Nora Jones coursing on it. Mm. It's got Cool Keith. It's got Dan Diarmater. Cool Keith, Dan Diarmater. I'm telling you, man. If you if I know you're not you, you don't you don't buy into the whole Patton no. love, no. but I don't dislike him. It's just uh, I I think you'd love this, man. I think right. you'd love Peep and Tom. It's very very accessible. Um, it's also weird. As well, because Mike Patton has to be weird, it has to be a little bit off kilter. He's not going to release it, even his straight head stuff is still yeah. quirky enough. Like, so, whereas Tomahawk would be the like grungier rock band, and Dead Cross are kind of, I wouldn't even say hardcore, but they're kind of metal. This mm. would be his, like he said, his pop. His pop His group. pop album. Mm, yeah. Pretty cool. So, here's your next one. My next one is a band called Ramallah. I like this song a lot because yeah. this doesn't have a piano or synth yeah, wave. It's got, piano, it's, got, it's got piano with the intro, the rest of it's just balls out metal. And uh, it's a side project from a, a band called Blood for Blood. I like Blood for Blood. Yeah, Blood for Blood are fun. 
Um, yeah. the, the funnest of the... Actually, fun is a terrible word to use for blood for blood. Um, yeah, because the lyrics are not fun. <laughs> the most nihilistic, dark, very fucking hardcore band. Yeah. Possibly They sound time. like the lyrics are from Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. With the gruesomeness of them. It's just so... that. Everything bad in the world happened to lads from Blood for Blood, right? They were just absolute scum. Just dirt. And uh, they're like <laughs> the American... Sa- it sounds like it. Yeah, they're like the American kind of raging speed horn, right? Just from a terrible place. I forget that they're not American. They're English. Speed they? horn? Yeah, yeah, keep forgetting from, that. They're from Corby. Like, that's just the worst. Like, the worst. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, Blood for Blood were just like a, a hardcore band that... that Great riffs. Kind of... Riff oh, the riffs. Now, the guy who wrote all those riffs and wrote all the songs was Rob Lind. So... He had a little side project because he wanted to go heavier even than Blood for Blood. Um, Blood for Blood still had to keep a little bit of that punk sensibility, even though they were super heavy. He wanted to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And he also wanted to kind of dabble in, maybe you could call it industrial. Maybe. Um, but he does, he's not a growler, he's a singer. He sings and shouts. But he's not the singer from Blood for Blood. That was a guy called Buddha. And uh, he was the guitarist, but he also sang a few songs for Blood for Blood. It's weird. He was the, the driving force behind yeah. Blood for Blood. Let's call it that. But he wanted to widen his horizon a little bit. So he started this little project. Now, it might have started as a solo project, but it, I think it was him fucking around at home. But eventually he ended up bringing people in and turning it into a band. Now, it also became this mad revolving door of people who were in the band. Um, there at least one EP that was everybody loved it. It was called... Uh, with a whimper, I think it was called, and a like a four or five track EP. Yeah. I personally, I'm not mad about the EP. I think the EP sounds like shy, and I think it's just not. I don't think the time was put into it that yeah. should have been. But uh, they released uh, an album, and uh, the album came about, about three years later. And this song, uh, "Days of Revenge," that's off this album. Now I think this album sounds insanely good. This it does like, sound really well produced. Yeah. That, you're at that kind of like hatebreed level of production it would have been around about the same time where everything's just yeah. this brick wall of just fucking nothing escapes there's no variance or subtlety in the music it's just kicked to the head from four different directions and Ramallah probably have their own following outside Blood oh, for Blood well, don't they? 100% yeah just completely like yeah. their own like, they do their they're, own they're that big yeah. they're that big I think yeah. you know in, um, in terms of Blood for Blood exactly now Ramallah Ramallah concentrated more on his own bullshit life. Like, he was a junkie. I think he was born the product of a rape. Um, Good times. Yeah, I think his father is his uncle or something as well. There's some, some mad shit going on. Like, wow. he's just an absolute, like, gutter scumbag. Like, <laughs> tattoos on his face before anybody else had them. Just because he probably... He was born with he, tattoos he probably, on his I'd face. I'd say, realistically, he just woke up one day and someone had just tattooed his face. He was the first in utero tattoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, <coughs> just a fucking doorbag. <clears throat> so he he made this album while he was still fucking junked out, still a pisshead, doing whatever was put in front of him. Uh, and uh, and uh, Blood for Blood never really made any money. Um, yeah, they, they were lauded within that hardcore scene. But I think Ramallah was his get back at the music industry project. Now after he released, um, I think it's the album called Kill a Celebrity. I know there's a song called Kill a Celebrity on it. I think it's called Kill a Celebrity. And um, after that came out, they done a tour and everyone went quiet. He disappeared. He uh, literally, people, there was uh, like, guys from the band were posting up on their Facebook and their MySpace saying, has anybody seen Rob? You know, nobody's seen him in weeks. Yeah. Um, then it was nobody seen him in months, nobody seen him in years. Oh, well. So on, so on. And it turned out he changed his name and uh, started working in a tattoo shop as a receptionist in, uh, in Detroit. 
just got away from me just randomly and how I found I found this out interestingly we were on tour in the States in Detroit and I got talking to a guy who was playing bass for Amala at the time and uh, he was from Detroit and I said what the fuck's going on how are you playing bass for Amala when nobody's seen Rob in ages and he said oh, well, Rob walks in this tattoo studio down the road like he changed his name to Paul or something you know what I mean or, you know, yeah. big Jim good name strong yeah, name good solid name yeah. he changed his name and uh, just start working in a tattoo shop but he's uh, getting the band back together and uh, they're going to put some new some stuff out now in the next year or two sure. now they shouldn't have oh no garbage right? <laughs> you, you'd hope that was his his time away and he no. comes back with a banger no every, everything released after the album was not good um, <laughs> not good in the slightest the, the songs are too long he was uh, but much like his life it wasn't going to have a happy ending was it yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I think because he has his shit together he has a little podcast and all now um I think it's called Head in the Oven or something like that. I don't know. He needs to tell stories about all the time he's trying to kill himself and other people. Outside like that is pretty interesting, yeah. actually. And, um, so he does a podcast. It's called The Nodcast. It's called The Nodcast. And it's, uh, it's something they were Head in the Oven. I think that's on the t-shirt. I yeah. Can't but yeah, it, it, the new stuff is, Jesus Christ, not good. It's, uh, it sounds like he forgot he was in Ramallah and heard them and decided to do his own version of it. Do you know right. what I mean? So it's just this weird... Um, copycat thing now the riffs are still there but the the, the legitimate authenticity is gone Forget yeah. it. it's over they stop telling the stories about like what happened to you years ago because Romalo was about stuff that was happening to you now you know what I mean like, they don't they, they, they covered a lot of songs they covered um, Day in the Life with the Beatles as well they done that but they swapped all the lyrics out about doing drugs instead of going <laughs> of course yeah. of course they did yeah. um, so he always had that kind of that element but a lot of the songs he released um, after he got clean and got his shit together they were all like 8-9 minutes long and they were just meandering there was cool stuff in them yeah. that he could have made maybe 3 songs out of that would have been deadly I wouldn't have thought Romalo would have that long songs no but they're still going but it's it's it, it's not good anymore but at, at the time it was it was very breakthrough-y. Uh, surprisingly enough, actually, uh, it was uh, Jacob Bannon from Converge. He sings um, backing vocals on the album. Like Converge. Yeah, he sings on the on the, the backing, uh, backing track yeah. on the album. So uh, that was my second last one. What's yours? My last one, before your last mm-hmm. one, is... Uh, so Maynard James Keenan. Mm-hmm. It would be... Some good choices there for, for sides of him. Yeah. It'd be a crime not to mention uh, a perfect circle, yeah. so uh, I've chosen to not mention a perfect circle. <laughs> I was going for Pucifer. I was going to do it, and then I saw you pull that in and said, "No, we won't have the same fella." No, uh, a perfect circle, obviously fantastic, but um, I haven't gone with that because I don't think I, I think of all bands that the lead singer is passionate about not calling a side project. Perfect circle is not a side project anymore. It's his. There it's, has been. It's, it's yeah. There, it's just. Um, You've also got Billy Howard Allen in the band as well, so he he was bigish before as well. Either way, this band is its own entity now. Mm. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you can't really call a side project. A perfect Circle are now, like you said, they're their own thing. They're their own thing. Yeah. So I've gone with Pussifer. Yeah. Or Pussifer, however you want to pronounce it. I never it. know either. No. I would say Pussifer. Yeah. Now, Maybe Pussifer. I don't know. A lot of people think this is some sort of super group, but it's not. It's his project where he's, it's revolving members, so that's that's a project f- as far as I'm concerned. Um, he's the only kind of mainstay, really, and it's his outlet for his. He, it's all very loopy again, isn't it? It can, yeah, it can be. Yeah, the, yeah, especially the song I picked. I picked Green yeah. Valley. So yeah. to get to the song I picked, yeah. n- name it. I picked Green Valley off uh, the second album, uh, Conditions of My Problem. Now you have lots of EPs mm. and stuff like that. Who's for for me is. 
half brilliant, half garbage. <laughs> Not garbage, but just yeah. that's that's what a side project is for. Yeah. You throw it all at the wall and see what sticks, yeah. and that's why it's a perfect example of a side project. I think outside of his bands, that both have pr- a lot of problems. Well, both his main bands, yeah, are, a, a lot of problems yeah. with both of those. Till I don't think they get on at all. No. Uh, well, they sent apparently they email each other their bits. That's and they yeah. record their stuff. They email each other dick pics. Oh no, bits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's literally how it's done. That's why the Till album apparently was taking so long. He was sent bits. He wrote the, the melodies and lyrics. And then he said, no, we're changing that bit. And he went, ah, okay. That kind of fucks what I had yeah, going for it. Yeah. So send me the new one and I'll redo it again. Yeah. That kept happening over and over again. Now, a lot really, of people... Really dropping lumps of fucking rashers in the wine. So mad, vegetarians mad. can't drink it. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he has his own vineyard. And he, dro- he drops rashers into the, into the vats of wine. Vineyards, vineyard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Why the fuck does he care about that? He's a prick. He, well, he's definitely a prick. Yeah. And uh, especially last year, some suspect things. Yeah, he's a, he's, yeah. a suspect bit, cunt. He can be a bit suspect. They um, disappeared rather quickly as well. The it, talk. It, it did. Yeah. yeah, it did talk. Anyway. We're not here to do that. That's another <laughs> no, podcast. Yeah. Uh, Good God, so it, <laughs> one, of, one of the people that worked with him on this song and the album was uh, Kareen Around. She wouldn't have been a super well-known guitarist uh, and singer from England, I think. She's from Warwick. Um, I'm saying that like I didn't just read that earlier on today. Oh, yeah. I think she's from here. I do that all the time. I think she's like, pretend I know all this. Now, half the time I am saying think, because yeah. we are thinking, because we're thinking, but yeah. Um, this is a kind of ballad song that starts off. If you're, I can see people turning this song off in the podcast. Going, it takes no. a while, yeah. yeah. Little, I, I, I skipped four times through it just to get to the meat and when I got to the meat, it's really good. Yeah, that yeah. distortion is nice and it's stompy. Yeah. It's a ballad that turns into a kind of I wouldn't say grungy but it's bluesy grim yeah. grim bluesy distortion and it's uh, by the end of it it's just absolutely great song mm. like I said Pooh's for you can take or leave half of the stuff I can anyway mm. I like that he has no real tightness on the control of stuff he calls his albums like yeah. V is for Viagra is the name of the first thing he ever put out so his humour is in there he's got a very juvenile humour yeah yeah he always has had paint but, himself blue one but yeah so it's good to see this aspect of him. He, he strikes me as a kind of guy who's either the soundest misunderstood cunt in the world or just the prick that we, we think he is. We maybe think he is, yeah. 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 But um, It's hard to call sometimes. Yeah. So I've gone with um, I've gone with Poosfer for that one okay. instead of uh, it, it makes sense to have him on it in mm-hmm. some shape or form. Who's your last one? My last one is a band called Devil's Brigade. And Devil's Brigade is... I know uh, nothing. Yeah. It's a, it's a side project of Matt Freeman, who's the bassist from Rancid. Oh, right, right, okay. Now, I'm not a big Rancid guy. Um, I like a few of their songs. I think, every, I think everybody does. Yeah, the, even if you don't, you don't, you do. Like, stop lying. You know, like... I, I, How can you not like Maxwell Murder? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of... Even the big ones, do you know what I mean? Ruby like, Soho. Yeah, like... It's the, the Clash, isn't it? That's, yeah. the, that's the Clash. Though. If even. They're, pro- they're even poppier than the Clash. Yeah. But, um... That, uh... uh Rancid never lit that many fires for me. Um, well, they 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 tried to play. They didn't go to. Do you know what I mean? They tried to play take too many boxes. I think. Yeah. And they tried to and they tried to get to. They tried to be. They tried to be the sort of. There were too much. What basically what they tried to do? They tried to be the cool green yes. day. Well, they tried or, to right, right inside that kind of. They tried like, to encapsulate everything that was even remotely related to kind of punk rock. But they so, were in a very shiny, boxed-up, yeah, nicely kind very, of way. Yeah. Even though, like, the lads, I, I've met... I've, two, I've met half that band. I've actually put gigs on for half that band. And they're all... The lads I met were diamonds. Yeah. Um, Lars Fredrickson and Matt Freeman. 
I done the the first European tour for Devils Brigade. I done a gig for them here in Dublin, and the first European tour for the All Frame Casuals, which was Lars Fredrickson's kind of side project, which was more of an OI punk band, more of a kind of AD sound thing. Yeah. Um, uh, both of them lads were diamonds, and I'd heard horror stories about them, absolute horror story. I was shitting it, yeah. shitting it. But we put on Devils Brigade. I don't think the album it may not have even been out, or it was only coming out for that tour. I can't remember, but this is his attempt at the unsuitability. Yeah, it um, looks. It looked. I saw the picture yeah. on the thing, and it looks like that. So apparently, it's an interesting story. He, Matt Freeman's a shit hot bassist. He's super, super. Well, if you listen to the bass line in Maxwell Murder, yeah, well, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's so good, yeah. and he does it live every night. You know what I mean? Oh. It's, just, it's just shit hot. Um, but he didn't know how to play double bass. Oh yeah, if you're going to be in that band, you have to do that. Different animal altogether. Yeah. Right? So what they done apparently. The, the, the history of this album is very interesting actually the, the history of the album is better than the album which is why I chose it right mm. so this album originally started out as a little fun project between the singer from Rancid Tim and Matt and what they were doing is in between gigs and on the bus they were sitting there with guitars and they were just writing songs and having a bit of crack and they had an idea that they wanted to write a musical right <laughs> they wanted to write a musical and the musical was going to be called The Halfway to Hell Club right and it was about the building of the Golden Gate Bridge okay which is was that still the, one of the number one suicide spots uh, I think so yeah yeah <laughs> so apparently when the Golden Gate Bridge was being built they set these giant wire mesh kind of nets up underneath it because when it was being built there was no real health and safety lads just literally walking along with no ropes yeah. no toys no nothing they weren't tied on whatsoever so apparently, if you fell off the scaffolding or fell off the bridge and the neck caught you and you survived, you joined the Halfway to Hell Club. Oh, well. Right? So while they were writing these songs, that was the whole idea. We're going to make this musical. We're going to make it about the building of the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, this whole thing sounds fucking mental. Yeah. Right? Like the lads were on DMT and smoking bleach at the same time. Like, smoking bleach. Smoking, smoking beer. Right? <laughs> we're well, having the crack, right? Writing this absolute mad musical and eventually it lost that connotation completely they they took away that angle and the songs kind of stuck and Matt took an interest in this kind of slight resurgence of the psychobilly scene the kind of 80s UK psychobilly scene and he wanted to learn how to play double bass but he knew it was going to take him years so yeah. he went in and I think, I think he, one of the lads from Rancid all, are, are double basses are all fretless aren't they all fretless yeah Every so you've got to be fucking good yeah and they're batshit lad they're fun as fuck but they hurt because they're percussive and as well as they now fame. rival the drums for pain the arse to travel yeah with. exactly there's no, no such thing as a small one you can get electric ones that fall up but nobody likes them they don't look the part they don't sound the part so he went they off fucking, they do look badass yeah a proper double bass and I'm not mad at that kind of music but yeah. they look they look the part yeah. especially if they spin them around oh yeah ah, stand yeah. on them and everything yeah, yeah you have the best crack it's like a little car <laughs> a little vehicle but, uh, and if yeah. you were singing you could put the entire album lyrics on the back of it oh yeah that's what they do they put <laughs> they set do lists that. and lyrics ah oh, yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got one there now that has uh, like a lot of the skeleton crew songs and bits of lyrics like reminders of yeah. people's verses on the back of it brilliant um, just duct taped on the fucking thing so uh yeah, he went off and he got interested in this. So went off. They recorded the album. He played electric bass, and they sat in it. Well, he went off and got lessons in double bass. Right. So we went off, learned how to play double bass uh, up to a certain quality, and then he went back and he re-recorded his bass parts with double bass, and then they released the album. Now that this song, Darlene, it's, just, it's fuck. It sounds like a <laughs> Frankie Valley fucking song, you know. It's it's yeah. 
throw away fun punk rocky it's definitely not psychobilly it just has uh, it just has double bass now this is basically sounds like rancid with a double bass and a different way of singing and it's got that still super poppy polished feel to it every song uh, has that feel there's no psychobilly there's no little kind of kind of psychobilly riffs that I noticed that there. when I listened to it it doesn't have much it doesn't have any of that, that those licks those rockabilly yeah. licks that they just put over real fast kind I did of listen to it twice the first time I listened to it I didn't like it but then when yeah. I ran through the playlist again to listen to it I was like oh I like it now it's just a fun yeah. throwaway song but I think the story behind that, that yeah. project Very is interesting. more interesting than the actual project itself I, I don't think you're ever going to see another Devil's Brigade album well, I hope we don't really. <laughs> you just want it to be that, that. Just, that's fine yeah. just leave us with that little yeah. story I mean, that musical. Do you know that musical. A lot of bands, a lot of side projects, second album, just are the things that killed them. It's just so the ones I mentioned, Tin Machine and yeah. Grinder Man. Their second album was the last one. They t- wrapped it up. Well, also there's, there's a lovely sweet spot. Second albums are interesting because I always find that a lot of bands' second albums are usually decent, simply because they had some songs left over that they didn't want to put on the first album Absolutely, that they'd yeah. been sitting on for years. Right. Yeah. So they get to take some of the little riffs and the little bits and bobs of songs that they had in the back of their head and they get to refine them down on the company dollar. Without the fan base needing to be hurt by it. Exactly. Or, you know, or you, without, it's, it's almost like a carte blanche yeah. when you don't, exactly. you know, you're not going to get hurt by this. Yeah. So, and then by, sometimes by the third or fourth album, these albums have to be written on the back of a bus on an acoustic guitar. Again, see, this, yeah. So yeah, you're exactly. losing quality every yeah. time. Yeah. Well, with the first album, we talked about this with the, that 30 Seconds to Mars song. They, they could have bits and pieces of songs floating around their heads since they were 15, 16. Yeah. So they've had guts of fucking a lifetime to get these songs together for the for the debut album. Second album, might have a little bit of that magic left off from the first one. But it's heard, like I said, lads rocking around in the back of a far transit trying to fucking write a song. You know, yeah. while the record label are pimping them like five dollar hours and like so a lot of times everything. like the tour is over right no no uh, we're doing Japan yeah exactly yeah, so You're home for the day brush our teeth yeah. let's fucking go so I think that there's a, there's a sweet spot between a lot of these uh, like you said like Tim, Tim Machine's second album I, I don't know what the time difference is was it a couple but, of years exactly there's an issue yeah. because it's gone then yeah and it's already in the back of your head. And it's also when Bowie was probably just keeping stuff for when he was back yeah, to Bowie again. Yeah, uh, of yeah. course. He's still, the, the second album, if the first album done well and it is a side project, then he's not really going to feel the pressure to make the second album. He proved yeah. himself yeah. to do it that way. So he's probably just a little bit of lip, lip service for the rest of the lads in the band so yeah. they can make a few quid. Yeah. You know? Right, I've got three months off. We can do uh, two months in uh, North America and uh, then I'll just go back and I'll record my new album with fucking Butch Vig or whatever the fuck I'm going to do yeah. you know? so it's a hard one to call but I, I think that um, there's, there's, there's a science to these to these things and there's, a, there's yeah. these side projects either fall into the category of stuff that's amazing that doesn't fit into their band and yeah. stuff that the band held the fuck off with yeah exactly there's, a lot, there's an element of both of those I things think I think in here uh, we leave that uh, thanks again for listening yeah. we are very appreciative of all the comments and stuff like that um, there's been a real good response to this as well so thank you for all the we're also we're up on iTunes as of today as well so are that we? means yeah, we're on Google Podcast Apple Podcast well iTunes doesn't exist anymore but you get me yeah. Apple Podcast app Google Podcast Podcast app Popcast Popcast and Popcast Popcast on. <laughs> and um, then we're on uh, Spotify obviously and the playlist are on Spotify so uh, whichever way you get your podcasts your pod pods your pod pods um, we shall be there and uh, we'll talk to you again next week thank you very much Night.